Thank you for downloading The Pursuit Podcast. For more information on The Pursuit, visit thepursuitsoco.com. Ready here. The Holy Spirit really gave me, uh, gave me two trains and said, push them in the same direction. Um, so I got <laughs> that kind of morning. You know, the words we say are powerful. Words in general are powerful. And the Bible begins with a story, which is words, about a God who, with his words, speaks reality into existence. And there's a lot of layers to that, because when you make that connection to you know, the Gospel of John, it begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and all things by him are created for him. There's this presence of God called the Word, and there's also the words that he spoke that became creation. It's just, it's, I mean, it's there. And every, every page of the Bible is about something being said, about a story being told, about the importance of that. I mean, before we even can contain this thing as a library, it's being spoken to be remembered for a long time. That's the only reason this thing survived all the way to now. I remember that the, one of the big points of this library we carry, carry around that we I don't think always appreciate that we're carrying a whole library in a little book is to know a bit about who you are, about where you came from, so that you know how to engage where you're going. And you reflect the word who was in the beginning, and so you too send words out that have an impact, a real impact. Now, the very ability to be heard gives you power in the world. Uh, that's why when you take away someone's voice, you've taken away their agency completely. Uh, to intentionally silence someone is truly abusive. To intentionally silence yourself is harmful. It does not make you healthier. There's times when you need to know when to say what and should not say so much, but to silence yourself, to, to shove that down and say, I don't have value to my voice, so I won't speak, it damages you. I'm, I've been thinking about this relationship between world, words and the world around us, and just how much world, words matter. I have, I'm learning this as a parent to a very bright, clever child who does not miss any single thing. <laughs> uh, what I say matters, and how I say it matters, how I follow it with my actions matters, uh, good and bad. I mean, to a, a child, there is almost no difference between a broken promise and a lie. Uh, they, they read as the same thing. I feel that way with people sometimes. You know, uh, what you say and how you say it, it can either create this opportunity for relationship and connection, or it can create a moment of confusion and add distance. I think it's, uh, I think especially when you're talking to a child, what you say is creating re reality. They don't have the experience of life to know what reality looks like all the time. That is very dependent on you and your actions and your words, especially. I think it's incredibly important as we we think of ourselves as image bearers to talk about our words, especially the ones we take for granted in you know, this culture, in church culture. We say a lot of words in church that if you said outside of church, make no sense or seem weird. Uh, and to us, you don't even think about it, you know, especially if you've grown up in church. And so I'm also thinking about words like disciple and discipleship. It's a word that makes me uncomfortable. Probably makes some other people uncomfortable, too. Um, kind of a loaded word. And why discipleship? You know, because really, the, the essence of that word means, truly, is learning to speak like the one you're following. You know, by the time Jesus was beginning his ministry, there, there were two main um, 
main voices in the rabbinical culture that really defined how people taught and spoke and read scripture. And a handful of fringe ones out there, but really two big ones. Even Jesus, the way he chose his words, the type of language he used was influenced by one of these main voices because that's just how you learn to speak. You know, discipleship isn't this little church program thing. It, it's, this, it's this reflection of the fruit of wisdom really being rightly carried and tended to and handed down through generations. You know, your one guy following you around is not who you're putting it all on. You're thinking about a guy who's going to follow him a guy who's going to follow him, a guy who's going to follow him, and so on and so on. So even just what you say, don't think about you know, this now moment. Think about what's going to stay in the air for a while. You know, you realize Jesus didn't call everyone to be leaders, per se. Uh, it's more of an identity of our, as, a, as co-rulers with Christ. That's really more of his identity spilling over onto you. That's who you are, but it's not the same as your calling. I know even that's kind of a weird thing to say because we talk about building leaders. That's what we do. And most churches, we're talking about building leaders and being strong leaders. And you should be because you should be setting great examples for the world around you by your you know, relationship with God. But he didn't call you to be leaders. He called you to be followers. Fishers of men, image bearers. And that image is a reflection. That means you're following someone to reflect them. That's why discipleship is such a loaded word in the church. And like a lot of our really specific cultural language, it comes with good and bad depending on your experience, where you've come from. For some of us, that means someone older than you in church telling you what movies you can't get caught watching, you know? I'm sure, we've all been in that kind of discipleship program at some point if you've grown up here long enough, right? You know, maybe it involves, you know, you've got to make a lot of lifestyle promises you can't really keep. Yeah, fun stuff. For some of us, it does mean something better it does mean you know someone that you're putting a lot of trust in to receive the fruit from their life to let it influence you and impact you and, and be reproduced in your life that's the good side of it that's what it should look like it's making space mutually between you and someone else to really let something grow it's it's a communal experience it's not just a it's not just you on your own trying to be a better human being you can get a book about being a better human being, and you can also leave that book on your shelf. But discipleship's this reality created by your, your relationship with God. It can be very organized. It can be very organic. It really, it's the whole thing. And when Jesus was walking the earth, there's this connotation to that word that, you know, for disciple or discipleship, that you were following someone so close that the dust from their shoes would cover your own feet. You were like right here, tracking every step breathing in sync with them. You know, a few years ago, my dad and I took a, a trip back to New York uh, to visit family, and we stopped in one of the Orthodox Jewish neighborhoods because they had a really good coffee shop, which is, defines a lot of how my dad and I travel. Um, but it was so cool because we're, you're right by a bunch of the schools, and so we were sitting there in the window of this place watching, watching these teachers, all in black, walking through the streets. They are just just constantly speaking the scriptures and there's all the students behind them reciting, repeating, responding in unison. It was like watching just one person breathing the whole time. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen because every time the noise would die down because there's trains above us, every time there'd be this pause in the trains, you'd just hear this hum to the neighborhood. Uh, discipleship should look like union. It should look like this thriving union together. 
And Jesus, as he usually does, models this through discipleship in a way that didn't quite fit the expectations. Follow me, he says. And if you've seen me, you've seen God. And I only do what I see the Father doing. And he invites his disciples into this current that he's creating. And, and they're pulled along in this just, it's a short, intense period of time. If you really think about what's happened, well, it's been a busy couple of years for the whole world. Think about how much has taken place over the last couple of years. You're only with Jesus for about that long before all of a sudden he says, well, that went pretty good. Keep it going. And you're going to see even more. It's going to get bigger. It's going to be more. And he just kind of sends you off down the current. Literally floats up into the sky. You know, discipleship looks like filling creation with that good fruit so no one is going hungry. Okay, it's not just about your experience. It's about what is coming out of you. It's about, again, it's reproduction at its, at its core. It's about filling the whole earth. It's about everything you see spoken again and again through the stories. And this has to be part of our life. You know, as, as followers of Jesus, it's kind of how you're described as a Christian, you know, Christ-like, it's in your name. Uh, that's what it looks like. But it's got to look like something. It's got to look and sound like making space for Jesus to occupy a portion of your life, you know, being present, having an impact for his, his nature to really take foothold in you and, and reproduce. You know, uh, Eugene Peterson, the man who who created the message translation of the Bible. I've been, been learning a lot about him lately. I never realized what a treasure that man was until long after he's passed. But uh, he described discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction. And that phrase has been stuck with me ever since I heard it. Because it looks like patience. It looks like a, shape, a life that has to be shaped by compassion. Patience requires compassion. And it's not a fast thing. You know, pity is instant. It's this knee-jerk response. But compassion requires patience. Compassion always comes with this commitment to keep showing up, to keep giving, to keep loving, to keep making room. You know, it's, you're signed on. It's an investment in creation. It's not a way out. Let me say that again like this. The <laughs> following Jesus is going to take you deeper into and make you more connected to creation and not away from it. You know, we hit that scripture that says, do not be conformed by this world, and immediately so many of us say, there's my ticket out. I'm, that's my cue to just let it all burn. It'll be fine. I'm good. Me and God are good. It'll all work out. Everyone's going to be fine. Don't have to take care of it or invest in it. Just hang on till the ride's over. That is not, I don't mean us, this house. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of our Christian family. Uh, it's just been our history. Words matter. Okay, it doesn't mean that. It means don't be shaped by the cosmos. That's the word in Greek when it says don't be conformed by the world. It's cosmos. It does not just mean this one thing in front of you. It means a system. It means all the cultures. It means the powers above you that aren't Jesus. Don't be shaped by the cosmos. Who you are is not defined by the culture or society or the system that you're occupying because you're supposed to be shaped by Christ no matter where you are. And therefore, you're not limited to the expectations of those around you. Okay? You are empowered by the grace, by the goodness of, of God to see his presence in all of it, to bear that good fruit in the middle of whatever desert you're in so that 
you know, the hearts of your neighbors have fruit too, because they might not already have fruit. You know, our purpose, not just as, the, as this community specifically, but as Christians as a whole, is to, you know, it's to not turn away from creation, but run headlong into it and just carry the good news, carry that fruit, be that disciple of, of that one. You remember what the good news is, right? It's not a sermon about your salvation, including threat of pain if you don't listen. You know, it is, that's not what got the, that's not what got the early disciples in trouble and why most of them got killed, okay? Caesar could care less if you were telling people to be a better human being. Again, you can leave that book on your shelf and still have the book, okay? It's not just about being better. But he did care about a message that said, Jesus was Lord. A new kingdom is here. Everyone gets to eat. These are the things that upset the power. The good news says the power over you has been removed, and power doesn't like being removed. It's that declaration that the kingdom of God has already come. New creation has begun. Doors are open. And a disciple is the living fruit of their teacher. When you see someone, you should know where they came from. Because of how they act, that means someone has invested in their life. Good or bad. So for you, living fruit, it's not this formula for success. It's this invitation to see creation like the creator sees it. Okay, good and very good. Worth loving. Already loved by God. Not waiting to be loved. And when you love something, you're going to speak about it in a way that's going to create life. If you want to tend a relationship, you don't give someone one compliment and say, that will keep me stocked up for the next 50 years. <laughs> that's not going to do it. Uh, relationships are gardens. You've got you've to nurture them. You've got to water them. Sometimes you've got to pull weeds and thorns out. You have to tend to relationships by your words and your actions, but your words will matter. Okay? If you just do good deeds all the time and don't say a word, people do not know where you're connecting. We have to hear things. We are communicating creatures. It's built into us. This also includes the relationship you have with yourself. That is a relationship. You do have to make peace with yourself, you know. You know, if you're going to experience this discipleship life of Christ, you've got to make sure this, this garden right here is doing okay and is not just a bunch of weeds. You've got to nurture it towards fruit. It matters how you talk about yourself, how you talk to yourself. You know, like almost every message that comes through here, this identity is a core issue here. That is, that's our thing. It really is. And if your own identity is struggling, if it's not healthy, you are not going to be able to bring strength to anyone around you, not for very long. So what are you saying about yourself? You know, how's discipleship in Christ helping define you? If you're following him, then you are in the program. If you've said, you know, okay, I, if you're here on a Sunday morning, you're in the program because there's no other reason you'd be here if you weren't somewhat passingly interested in Jesus. Um, if you are, it's probably real confusing right about now. It's a good program because it begins and ends with Jesus just saying who the Father is, showing who he is, letting you know that it's all about love. I'm struggling with the way to phrase this, but, but here it is. Uh, if I have to sum the whole thing up, Jesus is good, and it means you are too. And I kind of squish a lot of the Bible into that sentence. You know, what you behold, what you give your focus to, is going to be what you become. For better or worse, that's what you will conform to. You're meant to be disciples. You're meant to follow. You're meant to look 
and sound and act like and breathe like and live like Christ. And our lives respond to him. You know, our, our whole being is transformed by encounter with him. If, if you weren't made for that, it wouldn't happen. I mean, if, he, if his presence wasn't in your life, you would cease to exist. You'd come apart at the very fabric of your being because all things are held together by him. I like to take that literally. You know, so you share his words. You share in his words because he loves you, he values you, he respects who you are, and means he will also back up your words. Let's sit on that for a minute. There is a responsibility to what you say to others, especially when you have been given a position to speak into someone's life. But even if you're just talking to someone as one-on-one, -on -one, there is weight to what you say. You can't do it blindly. You can't do it lightly. And, you know, the words I say will have an impact on you today. They're going to leave a mark, and it will either hurt you or it will heal you. It will either add to you or take away. You know, my intent is to add. My intent is always to heal. My intent is to invest. I have to think about that with everything I say. And, you know, here's kind of the funny part, but God hands us out freely to everybody. Not some special prophet, not some special one guy who's got, you know, the big hat. You know, everyone's words matter. Every single person's words matter. Everyone is qualified and called to this disciple life. You don't believe me? Well, ask the guy from Gadara who used to go by the name Legion. That guy was sitting around in the graves, hitting himself with chains, probably eating moss off the gravestones. Okay, he had the worst day you could imagine. And Jesus sees him and says, that guy's going to bear my image to everyone in this region who's never heard of me. He's perfect. He's perfect. And so Jesus speaks truth and reality into that moment and by his words puts it where it should be. That I, like, I've always just written that story off as, you know, that guy just, I don't know, Jesus healing someone else who needed healing. But what he departs with is saying, I can't stay here because Jesus has to leave right after that. He is about to get chased away. So he looks at this man and says, you're the one. Go and share the good news. Tell them the kingdom of God is here. Tell them what God has done for you. And the area, the region that that man starts speaking to has never heard of this. They are entrenched in their Greek and Roman history. They are as Gentile as Gentile can get. And there's this guy who was sitting in the graves that morning and by evening is preaching the gospel. That's good news. That's why I know that discipleship doesn't mean going around the world saying that someday, even though you don't know when or how, Jesus, some guy you may or may not know, is going to show up and do something. So be ready. It's not that. It's got to look like that guy. It's got to look like that life-changing. It has to look like being fruit. How are you going to use your words, your powerful words, to speak into the world around you, into your city, into your family, into your kids, into your loved ones? You know, especially into your city. Think about that as our example. What do you call this place? Do you call it home? Do you call it where you're passing through? Already I'm saying, am I rooted here or am I disconnected? Do I call it beautiful? Do I call it Babylon? Your words have weight to them. Please think about it. 
You know, are you, are you nurturing the fruit in our garden? We're sharing this garden together. Are you nurturing this fruit or are you stepping on my tomatoes? All right? Come on. We're doing this together. Uh, you can be unhappy about something. I'm not saying deny when you see pain, when you see brokenness. That is not what I'm saying. I am saying your words have weight to them because you carry the kingdom of God in you. So please temper your words with love. Temper them with that kingdom. Everything you say has the opportunity to be the good news. How are you going to use it? You will never be responsible or in control of what happens outside of you and around you. But you will always be responsible for what happens inside of you. That's kind of the only thing in life you get to control is you. And Solomon's words are right. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That doesn't mean build a wall around your heart so nothing gets in, by the way. That means you're reading it wrong. He's talking about being a wellspring. You don't, a wellspring goes out so that you know, if you don't know what a wellspring is, it's where you get the water from. He's talking about being a source. Guard your spring so that you don't give people bad water. Really, the more I read the Bible, I lose excuses. <laughs> I, you know, all those verses that I could hide behind, really as an introvert and say, well, I don't have to interact because I'm over here guarding my heart. <laughs> if you keep reading it, he's going to keep taking them away. This is very much the more you know, the more dangerous it gets, all right? You know? What's in here will come out, and it will affect others. So this heart, this mind, this whole being, this body... It's meant to be shaped, meant to be discipled by the image of God, by his goodness, by, by the God that looks like Jesus. That looks like someone who's patient in love, will go to hell and back, literally, will actually pass through death to pursue you. you know, that's the kind of fruit you're tending to. And I, I want to challenge us, I want to challenge me, all of us, as a house, hear our words as having weight to them. I've spoken plenty without thinking first. It has never done me any favors. Uh, ever. I believe this is a gift we have to our community. To be, to be a wellspring of powerful words. Words that begin right here. As we begin to say, hey, you know what? I see this in you. I value this in you. As we strengthen our family and our house together. And then we're getting healthy. We're adding good fruit to that garden. We are making sure that spring is healthy and full. And now you can look at that and say, hey, city, I love you. I see the beauty in you. I will find the gold in you. I don't care how far I have to dig. I will find the gold in you. People will respond to that. No one likes being told that they suck. <laughs> okay? You can figure that out yourself. You don't need someone to come out of a church building to tell you that. You need people to walk out of these doors full of fruit and saying, here, there's room at the table. Let's sit. Let's eat. Let's talk. Here is water. It's good water. You know, you are the proof of God's goodness. You don't have to spend your time proving that he's good. Okay? You're the proof. You're it. You're the prize, all right? I mean, man, I love, I love how much words matter. The seraphim and Isaiah's vision say the whole earth is filled with God's glory, already full. And then in Habakkuk, he says, one day the earth will be full of the knowledge of God's glory. Those few extra words make a huge difference because God's already there no matter where it is. Always has been. But you, you bright lanterns, get to go around glowing with the image of God and showing that that's there. You don't have to fabricate God for people. You don't have to manufacture it and make sure you know, oh, here's the presence of God. You're saying, here's the presence of God. It's here. He's 
here, already here. He didn't wait to make it perfect enough to show up because you can't. He's already got it figured out. That is the light burden. That is the easy yoke that Jesus is talking about. He never said, okay, you got to go carry God where he isn't. That's stupid. That is absolute foolishness. <laughs> that is not what the Bible says. Because he said, the, because the Father said, this creation is good. It's good and very good. I will inhabit it. He never left it. The whole earth is full of his glory. And as we, we bear that image, we show the people the knowledge of that glory. I mean, he just wants you to follow. Nurture and enjoy that fruit. To, to experience the same joy that he does in creation. When you are looking at the world and saying, I don't know how I feel about it. That's the time to get in line with God and say, what's your heart for this? Guess what? His answer is always going to be the same. He loves it to the point of death. Loves it beyond the point of death. You've got to love it the same way. What's our patient investment in creation? You know, our long obedience in the same direction. I want you to take the weight of your words and whether they're pointed at you or your neighbor or your city or whatever, but start putting them through that filter if you already don't. I know so many of us do. So many people here I, I speak to and I just, I feel that love. I know that is something we're good at. I know that's a, that is a true calling and identity of this house. Those words aren't going to fall flat. They're not going to go unheard or unknown. Well, this is your part. This is you being that disciple. And when this becomes the backdrop of who you are, when, when this is the identity that you own, you know, you're not forced to fit someone else's expectations. You can do anything, go anywhere, be anyone, and you're full of his presence. You know, I have this dream to never, ever, ever hear anyone describe themselves as a Christian actor or a Christian artist or a Christian anything, really, because it just adds another separation. It's just more segregation. It's more elitism. Okay, it's masquerading as holiness. It is not good. Because at the end of the day, we all belong to each other. You hear me? We are one in Christ. You, we belong to each other. We're all bearing this fruit in the world. And I want to live in this reality of this re revelation so that when I experience my relationship with God, when I receive his love, when I know it, when I respond to it, and I'm cultivating that relationship without any other agenda, just, God, I love you because I love you. Simple. Not because I want to be someone, because I need to be something, because I have to meet some destiny, but because I love you. Then I'm doing his will. I am living. I'm present, and that means he is present. Then I can be an artist, a husband, a son. You can be that politician. You can be that CEO. You can be that whatever big thing it needs to be. I don't care. There's no strings attached. There's just more room for love when you're not trying to make it fit through some shell of your own design or someone else's expectation. Maybe someday I won't just talk about identity, but not today. <laughs> not today. I want to pray. I don't know how to steer these trains anymore. Would you guys stand with me? I want to pray together. I want to. I want to get in this assignment we have to carry the good news of God, and I want to know how to take it seriously, and not in a serious way that makes me just feel burdened by it, but in a serious way that makes me awake to it, it makes me really aware of what I can do, what I've been asked to do, what I get to do. 
See the world as that unfolding, ever-expanding, unending kingdom of your presence that it's supposed to be. Let us hear the power in our words. Help us to let them be soaked by your grace, by your mercy, so that everything we say is an opportunity for your presence to be seen, to be revealed, the presence that's already there. God, help us to stand in between words of Isaiah and the words of Habakkuk. Let that get to be our playground. Say the whole world is full of his glory. Look at it. Now you get a no because the door is open. God, I thank you for a kingdom that has no doors. The moment you took the door off the grave, you took the doors off the kingdom and said everyone could have it. disciples, gardeners, fruit carriers, meal makers. Jesus. You know, each and every one of you gets to be part of this. It's just who you are. It's not a, it's not a heavy task. It's not something you've got to learn how to do. You just, you just share who you are. You share what you're receiving from God. All he's ever said was, follow me. He didn't even tell you what to do or how to do it. He just said, follow me. Let's commit to that as a house, as a family. It's part of our, it's part of our name, our very namesake, our pursuit. The pursuit we have towards God and his goodness, but also the pursuit for the people around us to passionately step out there and to, to feed, to be good water, to be good springs. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, bless each and every one in this building today with just a revelation of your presence, that knowledge of your glory. That's, that's the key because the glory is already there, but I want to see it. I want to know it. I want to feel it. I want to taste it. It is undeniably good. It is perfectly good. And it is, it's just there. Fill each and every one of us with that goodness so that we can, we can just spill it out. Where it's uncontrollable, where it's not an effort. There's no effort to sharing your goodness. It just pours out of you because it's who you are. And each one of us, that perfect wellspring. world will never go hungry, it will never go thirsty, as we, as we all reflect you, we follow you in everything we do, in the words we speak to our loved ones, to our children, to our co-workers, to someone we are passing in the street, let your love shine through every word.
have an awesome day. The prayer team can come on up. The rest of you guys can just share some good words. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit Podcast. For more information about The Pursuit, visit us at thepursuitsoco.com.